You are listening to an Emmanuel Community Church podcast. For more sermons or information about the church, visit our website at www.emmanuelcommunity.org. If I've not had the chance to meet you, my name is Gary and I work with a lot of different things here, but one of the things is REACH. And REACH is an opportunity that has influence for this church in the nearby and as well out in the world. So we're the individuals, the team that seeks to bring influence of you when it comes to the different parts of the ways that we can do something good for Jesus. And you'll see some of our partners who are out there today, but I just hearken back to last week because last week our team met and I had come on Saturday night and I had sat through this light sermon that Pastor Denny spoke about. If you were here, you remember that light sermon. And it so struck me and I sat in it for a while. Came back the next morning and at 8.30 I came into the team and I had to just say, I've just got to reflect on again what I heard last night and what this means to us because it means something important to us because we've been given this responsibility of leveraging in behalf of this church what we can do to help deal with this issue. And this comes out of Pastor Denny's notes and it really comes right out of Romans 1 that when men reject God, confusion and darkness reign, and those who claim great wisdom become more foolish. And I thought about part of my family, and I thought about the city around us, and I thought about the state and the United States, and the world that I've had the chance to be interacting with, and the realization of the significance of how many people, apart from Jesus, that the Wrath of God is coming. And so with that, it made me go in the next morning to say to them, oh, we need to pray. And oh, we need to be intentional. Oh, we need to be purposeful because of what's at stake in the work that we're doing. And as important as the work we're doing collectively in behalf of you, that's not about today. What is today is that the primary opportunity we've got for influence for ECC is you. And that's what I want to look at today, the collective potential of the individuals who make up this church. We're going to go into a couple verses in Proverbs, and you're acquainted with Proverbs, I think most of you. It's a book that brings us wise observations. It's not something that's meant to say, this is a promise, because there's times where, it, apart from the norm, because of the unpredictability of people, but it's things that tend to be, here's the realities when it comes to thinking about life and life itself. And as you think about Proverbs, you're going to see oftentimes comparisons or contrasts that are made to help you see and understand these truths. And the passage we're going to look at today is a passage that lays out a truth that's really part of our discipleship. It's a part of what God has hoped for, desired for, of our response to him. And it's something he just lays before us. And then what you're going to see as we look at verse 11 is verse 11 is is parallel. It's something that goes ahead and says it in a little different way and then confirms the truth of verse 10. So let's look at it, and that's not just look at it, but let's go ahead and join in it, and I'd like you to read it with me in unison. You ready? 
When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. These are verses that are given to us that help you and me understand how important God's people are to their city. Some of you, that's Fort Wayne. Some of you, that's Huntington. Some of you, that's Markle. Some of you in other places. But the life of the city is affected, for better or worse, by the character and the influence of its citizens. So for many of us right now, we are observing and watching election results come back because we recognize how important those things are. But even as important as those things are, What's even more important to me is depending on who's leveraging the influence, and I'll even change this, depending on who is making the effort, the city can have contrasting responses. And it can have contrasting outcomes as to what takes place. And I'm going to add here one more particular verse that's there in your notes as well. And it's Proverbs 29.2. And it's a one, another way of saying, and it's the same people, when the righteous thrive. Boy, people rejoice. When the wicked rule, people groan. So who are these people? Who are these people who bring joy to people in the city? And the answer is, in the Hebrew, it's zadakim. It's a plural word, and it's translated in most places, the righteous in plural, or the righteous ones. And a singular would be zadik, and I just thought I'd give you a New Testament equivalent as well, is that in the New Testament, the word would be dikaios, and people who are called to Kaios in the New Testament would include Joseph, Mary's husband. It would include Zechariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist. These are individuals whom Scripture just says, these are individuals who would be called the righteous one. And with that, it, you see here these conditional statements in these verses that are cause and effect. When the righteous prosper, when this happens, here's the outcome that takes place. Huh. When God's people who are seeking to walk with him and also walk with their neighbor, within that context, when that takes place, and when good comes into their lives, and we'll talk about that more, of that prosper, of goodness coming, that people rejoice. So the outcome is there is this whole lot of rejoicing going on and it's because of the presence of the saints. And it's a little bit more than though just the presence of the saints because I'm wanting to have you think about this with me. And, and who are, who's the city? When the text uses the word city, Kyria, the emphasis is not as much on structures or locations. It's not saying, okay, then Fort Wayne rejoices. It's more on the people that are affected by the righteous. And it's interesting that at that point, those folks are blessed, they are lifted up. But on the other side is when the wicked perish or shouts of joy, and it sounds so down, but it's basically saying that the oppression 
is being set to the side. So Proverbs 11 then confirms that. By the blessing of the upright, when God brings blessing, and you think, well, what, what do you mean, Gary? It, when he brings favor to you, when he brings advantages to you, gifts, skills, aptitudes, when those kind of things are part of what we have been given, there is that opportunity then that again it is leveraged in such a way that a city is lifted up. A city is exalted. And the reason is that, that it happens, people's lives are improved because the righteous share with what God has blessed them with. And so there's an assumption that's happening that I want you to think about with me right now. There is an assumption built into these verses that the assumption is that God's people choose to live out their identity and their calling as righteous ones. So what I'm saying is it's, it's not automatic. Um, when it comes to the kind of people that this verse and these words are talking about, it's talking about people who have come to faith in Christ or faith in God in that time through faith in the Old Testament, but people then who have chosen to leverage what they've been given in behalf of those people who are around them. And so with that, in the words of Dallas Willard, we must act. That grace is not something that talks about earning, because we don't earn anything when it comes to our salvation. But Dallas Willard says, grace is all about effort. And that's what I want us to think about for me and for you. This is part of the sanctification process. You're going to see this in Romans as you go through. Denny's going to take you through what it means to be responsive to Jesus in Romans 6 to 8. When it comes to our insides, what it means then in Romans 12 and following to be responsive when it comes to our outgo and the things that go with that, that we make decisions and we implement those decisions as to what we will do with our life and what we'll give our life to. And it takes me into this understanding of it is so easy for Gary Dilley to just stand here and say this stuff. It's hard for me to live it. Because for all of us, we are under the auspices of an entirely generous God. And if I would stop right now, and next week we're going to be looking at thankfulness, if I would do that right now and say, let me kind of list the gifts and advantages that God, you have brought upon me, it would be an amazing thing. And now it becomes this question as to the decision as I, what do I do with this? So as we gather here and you think about this, I want you just to think about for you, skills, the education you've received, the resources you have, the opportunities that you may have, the positions that you possess, the influence that God has given you, the networks that you have. I got choices. I got advantages. I got things. I got choices. And with that, it makes me think a lot about, because I'm also the guy who oftentimes does funerals here, I think about these things a little bit more because I know the day's going to come for me and the day's going to come for each of you where someone is going to be speaking and reflecting back on our lives. And with that, I've thought about that there's three at least main themes that can come out. And one theme is Gary had so much potential. That's one theme. Another theme is, is really kind of the idea of the shortest will, I think, that you could have. And that will would be 
Being of sound mind, Gary spent it all. Or for you or for me, that Gary brought some rejoicing to people in the city. And all that means is there's a certain group that his life was leveraged for, not everybody, but things that he could bring into that so that people who came into contact with him or with you ended up with joy. And the emphasis here that is really important is when the righteous prosper, when the righteous fulfill their potential, when the righteous act on their potential, that's when people neighborhoods, communities. Some of you, I'm sitting here thinking about teachers who are sitting here today. I think about you and I think about the kids in your classroom who end up rejoicing. That there are these groups of people who rejoice because you've been leveraging what you've been given by God. And I want you to think about, can you imagine the collective potential of the people who make up this place? And then you manifest out through other churches within that way. You say, well, what is this person? Well, it's not automatic. We really do have to be intentional about these things because for this, when we hear this word righteous, we tend to focus our thoughts mostly on the inside trait that, well, that's a righteous person. They're a good person. It's just thinking about that. These people as described in scripture are three-dimensional. Amy Sherman in her book, Kingdom Calling, talks about the different manifestations of Zadokim, and I, I think it's helpful that the first dimension of righteousness for Gary Dilley is the decision to deal with things of upward. That the thing I guess I will have you look at in your notes is righteous people look up because they stop to acknowledge as God is the source of their existence. They are not fooled by all this talk around them that they are individuals who've been solely because of what they've been able to do. They've made the difference in their life and they recognize Deuteronomy 8 that God is the source of all gifts that they have received and where they are at with that. And with that vertical gaze, the righteous resist as well the cultural assumption that personal happiness is the highest and most important goal of life. There's nothing wrong with happiness. I like it. But this is what people around you primarily are chasing as something as to can I find this and not realizing that it is God that brings what they really need. And having that vertical gaze also allows them to admit their limitations as fallible human beings and they're willing to seek God's wisdom and seek God's guidance and say, I need some help here because of what, God, I want to be and how I want to respond to you. And I'll just give this prayer to you that you can take home as a, the aspect of God wanting you to please choose to guide me and direct me. So I want to go now to the second dimension of righteousness. It's inward. It's a state of my heart. State of your heart. Because the righteous seek not only to act rightly, but also to be right on the inside. If you're only trying to act rightly, that becomes pharisaical. Because Pharisees were always about what they do and show It's like, no, we don't want to be like that. We want to be consistent. We want to be authentic when it comes to that which is outside and that which is inside. And that's not necessarily easy. It's because of the Holy Spirit working in us in that. And I want you to see that when you're right on the inside, 
Proverbs also says you start looking at other people differently. It's interesting to me. Proverbs 29, 7. The righteous care about justice. The, the word care about there is this very simple word that you see in the beginning of Genesis. And it's all through scripture. It's just know. The righteous know about justice for the poor. But the emphasis here is contextually when you sometimes have these verbs, it takes on this entirely different meaning. The, the phrase care about is actually a radical commitment for folks who are in this context. The intensity of the Hebrew word, it's hard to translate. It's hard to say, they care. No, the, they care. They care in such a way that it's kind of like what you see in Scripture of the shepherd who know about the needs of their sheep, but they don't just know about them. It means they know about them, so they're going to do something about them for as best as they can. And I, and I think about our partners, uh, folks out here who I care deeply about, who are represented here and out in the FLC today. These are people who just, this is part of their calling in ministry, and as they gather folks around, that they are seeking to do everything they can to save souls, save lives, have voices for those who don't have a voice. And I think about me, and maybe you too, and I think about the battles that go on for my inner being. And there's a couple kinds of them, and I, sorry there, I kind of rushed ahead. The, and people who want notes want that, don't you? <laughs> vulnerable, the emphasis on, it's not just poor, but people who are vulnerable, and there are many. So as I go on, the challenges that come to our hearts include those who are hostile to our faith. There are people who, as you're trying to live out your faith, are pretty dismissive of why are you making these decisions? Why do you even care about these things so much when it comes to what you could do with your life? And as hard as that may be, you can at least then, if you're facing that, you can go ahead and put up some things where you're saying, okay, I'm going to handle this and deal with this. And Here's the stuff that I think is much harder. I think it's hard for people in this room. I think it's for those watching us, I think this is what's even more dangerous. The temptation for shortcuts. Shortcuts on the inside. Chase status, success, prominence in the eyes of the world to succumb to all the appeals of my pride. Self-indulgence. The kind of things that can make a problem for me within that. And part of looking in is recognizing when the decisions we're making don't line up with what God's asked of us. It's one of the neat things about Emmanuel is Emmanuel lays out for you, I believe so well, truth, so that you have opportunity of saying, okay, God, for what's happening with life right now, is it lining up well when it comes to the things that I know? And if it's not lining up well, that's when radical decisions become part of that. And decisions as to what do I do with this now and how do I respond. I had a guy that was not too long ago, a few months ago, an individual who had made a choice to he quit his job. It was not an easy choice, but it was making such a difference as him 
not being able to line up with what he wanted to do with his inside, with his family and being a father and a husband, stop doing what he was doing because it was too important to be in alignment with that. And all I can say is, is it is so tempting to get off course and we watch it on a fairly regular basis. And I close now with this last one of the third dimension of our righteousness is outward. So we've alluded to that. Many of us, and I've just got to do an acknowledgement here, this is important, is that we think about a righteous person looking up leads to horizontal kinds of things of desiring shalom for people around us and the people we care for. But honestly, many of us who God has given great gifts and advantages and great influence, we live in neighborhoods and we go to church with and we work most closely with people who look like us and people who think like us and have similar opportunities as us. And I've been convinced as I've walked through life that for me or for any of us that if, if we do not have exposure to many times people who find themselves in situations like, nope, I don't have enough groceries this week because inflation is keeping me from having that or fighting addictions or mental illness or less advantaged or whatever, that at times it's easy to be in a place where my heartfelt compassion is lacking because I have made an emotional distancing of myself from that stuff. And I've got a little bubble. And if I'm finding myself in that little bubble, I don't have a lot of potential to bring really great rejoicing to the city. And by contrast, the Zadokim take intentional steps to say, I need to acquaint myself with what's going on with the needs of my neighbor. There's an individual I've asked just to come this morning to just do a, a brief interview with us. And her name's Ace Roki. Ace, would you come up? And Ace found herself in a situation where she became involved in a situations and ministry that is not like what she grew up in, not like what she'd been exposed to a whole lot. Would that be true, Ace? Yes. Would that be true? Yes. So with that, Ace has been involved with Youth for Christ for quite a few years, but also then she became exposed to city life. And she became interested in and acquainted herself with it. So tell us what city life is and tell us how you ended up becoming more acquainted with that particular part of YFC. So, so city life is a walk-in center from up right across the street from Southside High School. Um, we serve um, about 80 kids. We serve a meal um, Monday, through Thursday, Monday through Wednesday night now. Um, but um, we have um, basketball for uh, young men in high school and um, tutoring, um, financial literacy. Um, really cool thing to watch the uh, adults and volunteers on staff. The guys play basketball with the with the boys and are such a strong, loving father figure for these guys. And they probably don't have a good father figure. I get the impression that your heart has been given to this. How did you? How did you end up there so that you are investing week after week in that way? Well, I've always been involved with uh, the youth ministry of Youth for Christ for a long time. But uh, we started a sewing ministry through ECC yeah. several years ago. Uh, and we were able to teach um, just 
small uh, sewing skills to uh, young high school girls. Um, then COVID hit, and so we're no longer doing the sewing ministry, but I just felt this call from God to keep going down there and loving those kids. And so I've stayed, hmm. and um, I, help, I get to help serve uh, supper for kids uh, every week, so that's a privilege to just connect with these kids. Uh, I now have the privilege of um, discipling one of the gals on staff, so that's been a real joy. It's a big thing to introduce kids to Jesus and for them to say yes, but my heart is for them to know what it means to follow Jesus. Well, it's obviously brought some change to you. Tell us just briefly, how has it changed your life? They're beautiful people down there, and I um, hear uh, an urgency and a fervency in their prayers that can reduce me to a pile of tears many times, so um, they teach me a lot about just this clinging to the Lord and a, a fervency for Him. Wonderful. Well, Ace, thanks for coming up. Would you thank her for just sharing a little bit about her experience? So as we bring this then to a close, this is something that if I get this across to you, I will feel like I was successful today. Part of looking out is just the ability to see people and hear people. If, if there is an increase of the opportunity of ECC people that when they engage with you, that their response is by engaging with you, this is a person they would say, this is a person who they see me and they hear me. Because most people today feel unseen and unheard. That's including in this room and out in this world. And the greatest gift you can give are I see you and I hear you. Now, as we wrap it, as we are given whatever advantages that we have to live in the days to come, we can leverage what we've been given in order to bring a little of the kingdom of God to earth. We'll fail. We'll fail at times. We'll fail on the inward side. We'll fail on the upward side. We'll fail on the outward side, but thankful for God's forgiveness and restoration. And he sets us off again to continue to leverage what we have accordingly that we can bring joy to individuals' lives. And I was reminded again this week of something that was important, of, and it was that I've had the chance to be involved with a lot of boards over the years. Um, and so one of them comes to mind this week was I was part of coming on to a board of uh, university trustees, and I was getting an orientation. I was a pastor, and I was asked to come on this board, and part of the orientation was is the opportunity, and it is, it's important for any organization if you're on a board, to support them, including financially. And so it was talking about these things, but my problem was, as me, I was looking around. And I'm looking around at people that I become acquainted with, and these are people who are very... Um, successful businessmen and successful businesswomen, professionals, so forth. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable here because, and I honestly, I raised my hand <laughs> and I, I said to the person who I knew, he was academic dean, and I said, you know, I'm not going to be able to do 
what many of these people are going to do. So I'm just feeling a little uncomfortable, and I'm just going to say it out loud. And he looked back, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, we ask people to come on boards for lots of different reasons, and we want you to be faithful as you can for what you can do, but that's not the reason we asked you. And it reminded me again, for every person in this room, as we go to the plan, God's interested in what you're doing with what you have, not with what you don't have. And with that, it becomes this point of just that when the end comes and the parable of the talents that we get to say, here's kind of what I did with those things that you gave me. So it makes me ask regularly with the things of gifts, aptitudes, skills, resources, finances, time, networking, what are you doing with what you do have? And one thing that I think is really important here at Emmanuel is the fact that right now we're feeling strongly with this REACH team that we need to work together with both at times, you may say, I don't know what is even out there. And we're like, well, we need to do a better job of both in church and outside the church that if you're interested, you may find opportunities and ways that you say, wow, I didn't know I could leverage some of what God has given me that way. Where can you be deployed right now and bring rejoicing just when it comes to the community, work, school, whatever it might be? What choice could you make for a right next step? Because some of it is just, if you even are able to see people and hear people, you're going to bring some joy to people. But last but not least, I want you to, as you go out today, we're going to worship and then we're going to send you out. Stop by at least one local partner table out here. So I'm asking you, stop by at least one partner table or if you're online, visit the ministry partner page on our website to learn more about them. I hope that you've got, and if you haven't, for one per household, there's these passports that are out. And it's really just, well, it's informational and hopefully a challenge for you to look at. Because some of you say, I wouldn't even know what to ask somebody at a table. So we gave you questions that are right here inside this passport. And then you get to see the different kinds of groups that are out both here in this area and out in the Family Life Center. So if you're in the Family Life Center, there's groups that are out here as well. And what we'd have you at least consider is that you might go before you leave and get a sticker, a passport sticker that's at the back of this particular passport. And what we are going to do is we just want you to note that coming out of this service, there are going to be after you, if you will take this, you'll fill it, put your name on, and either at the wood box that's out here by the Welcome Center or the wood box that's out by the Welcome Center and the FLC, and you fill it out and put it in. We're making two drawings for two really wonderful ethnic dinners just to say we'd encourage you and have a little fun at the same time. So out of this, there was one last night, two in 9.30 and two in 11. We really are thankful to be able to walk with you. We remind you once again, it's all about us and you and for the things that we can do and working together. And so I think about Psalm 90. Teach us to number our days aright, to give us a heart of wisdom. Lord, would you please, as we move and we continue out in our service of you and the opportunities that we have, 
And some of it is just pretty simple interrelational things that we can bring some joy to the city. With that, Lord, I thank you that that can happen here and it can happen far. And we love you in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, there are individuals about, I think, six or seven are headed out to Florida. They're on a plane right now. They're going down to Port Charlotte. They're gonna help people who are hit. There's, there's the group that we're heading out this morning. You're gonna see a quick video of Mike Dugan saying, we're gonna serve folks where they're at after this hurricane. My name is Mike Dugan, and I have the privilege of leading a team of men uh, from Emmanuel. Six of us are going down on Sunday to help with hurricane relief in Port Charlotte, Florida. And we just appreciate your prayers as we go down there that God will lead us and we will follow and just be a light for Him as we help with a really hurting community.